Welcome to the Legends of the Black and Tan Coonhound, a podcast where two past breed presidents, Chad Smith and Ray Conrad, dig into the weeds of the legends of the black and tan breed and the owners and handlers behind them. Our mission is simple, to enshrine the stories of past legends and raise awareness and participation in our beloved breed organization, the American Black and Tan Coonhound Association. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we unearth stories of past black and tan legends. So all of a sudden, your partner's in a $6,000 coon dog. In 1975 or 6, that was a lot of money for a dog. Of course, that's nothing compared to what, what's going on now. But Well, today, if you do a inflation calculator, it's about $30,000 today. Yeah. So, um, and back then, a dollar is different than it is today, isn't it, Ray? You know what I mean? Well, see. Oh, yeah. And back in those days, uh stud fee on a dog even like Jim's 300 was tops and and you didn't win any big money hunts all you you could go to the biggest hunt in the country and win it and you get a trophy about that tall you know you didn't it's all get a different world now than what it was back in those days that's quite an investment though yeah well puppies unbelievable it's funny though puppies in 1975 just use that number uh, which it's close you were getting two or three, four hundred dollars for puppies then. Three hundred. Three hundred, and we're still getting three hundred for them now. Well, I mean, out of a dog like, like him, him now, yeah. you could buy puppies out of a lot of good black dogs that were in, advertised in the American Cooner every month for a hundred and fifty. But the Jim dogs, uh, and the reason, I think we sold some for less than that. But uh, when they after he died, uh, puppies that were on the ground and all, uh, they they were top. People wanted them, and they would give three hundred for them. All right, so let's. Uh, so Tilly flops out the checkbook. She put it out from Daddy Jack. Yeah, that Daddy. was Tilly's daddy, Daddy Jack. That's what you called him. Yeah, he Daddy. was your hunting buddy. Yeah, Daddy Jack. Yeah, he's the one that put me in the coon hunting business. Really. So, so Daddy Jack, unbeknownst to him, was partners with you. <laughs> yeah. And 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 gentleman Jim. Yeah. So y'all, what do y'all do at this point? Y'all go, y'all go pay the guy, or I mean, how? I Jarvis went. Jarvis made, took care of it. Made some arrangements. I don't know what he did, but anyway, he come back leading the dog. <laughs> What'd you think about him? Oh, I, when I saw him, I, I really liked him because he was a beautiful dog. But you never saw him. I never seen him before I wrote that. You didn't know if he's a German Shepherd, a Pit Bull, or a Black and Tan? I had a good idea that he's a pretty nice dog. Or he, Jarvis wouldn't be interested in it. Well, Jarvis thought he could win, and, and he could. He did. He won. So y'all bring him home, and the arrangement you had with Jarvis was you keep him during hunting season. He'd stay up here in halls. Mm-hmm. And out of hunting season, Jarvis would. But I ended up hunting with him all the time because when Jarvis would want me to go with him, when these prospective buyers, we we had people come from all over the United States breed to that dog. 
and we had dogs booked to be bred for him for years when he died. If the dog, if the dog had lived the normal life, and his puppies kept doing what they were doing, I could have retired on the income out of that dog. How old did he make it? How old did he live? He died in a year after we had him. So he was. He wasn't but four, five or six, four or five, five or six years old. Yeah. So y'all got him home, and <clears throat> and uh, you went hunting with him. You you knew what you had at that point. Oh yeah, first time I ever turned him loose, I knew that he was uh, something out of another world. All right, so so Jim Jim, uh, you cut Jim loose. He what's he do? He just leave you in a dead run, and. Uh, he when he opened he he never slowed down and a lot of times he Jim would start giving his tree bark twenty five or thirty yards from the tree he was gonna tree on. He went he run with his on a hot track or when it's laying up, he ran with his nose up in the air and he'd start treeing a long time before we got onto the tree. But now if it was a working track, he'd work it up and give his locate and go to treeing but a good hot track, he just start treeing long before he stopped. <laughs> and he he just he he take any kind of track, he take them as they come. But he just uh, he had a wonderful nose somehow. He just managed to smell dog coons tracks that other dogs couldn't even smell. And a lot of times when you cut him loose, like you sending him north up through there. When he opened, he might be due south of you. He'd just make a big loop around, running like a bird dog through the woods. And he he was the best-natured dog. He'd get up on that tree and tree, and he'd never turn his head either way. I've seen dogs push him off the tree. I've seen him grab a hold of his ear and do everything. And he'd, he'd just back off, and he'd never growl, and... And he, he's like a poodle. He's just a big old pet. Most of the time when Jarvis and I would go on a big trip where we spend the night, he'd sleep in the bed with us. <laughs> he was just he just a one-of-a-kind dog. So y'all got him married in May because we've had black and tan days in May since mm-hmm. we started, I guess. And that's May of 75 or 76, is that what you 70, said? I think it's probably 76. 75. He died in 76, I think. Okay, so in May of 1975, by this paperwork here, he'd be three years old. He was, he was, yeah, he was, um, that, that'd be correct. So yeah. what do you got there, Ray, at the top? The paper, now, Jim's got papers, and, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's papered up there. We've, we're sitting here looking at Jim's original paperwork, his original UKC uh, registry, uh, paperwork. Yeah, that's right. Um, born August 16th, 1972. August 16th, 1972. Well, see that year that, that he died, uh, the, the ACHA world hunt was in October and, uh, he died the 11th day of that next, that next month. Did y'all hunt? So, so y'all bought him in, May, I think you made him, you went around a kill season with him, mm. and then you come back and you're getting ready for that 
that hunt. So we're, we've hunted him. I'm trying to paint myself into this picture for roughly. So y'all have hunted him. 16, 17 months. Yeah, year and a half. Bred right. some dogs. Yeah. The night, the, the night that the final four went out, uh, it was pretty obvious that Jim was, everybody thought he was going to win the whole world. Because at that time, in ACHA, you hunted three nights, and they added up the scores of all the dogs, and they picked what they call the top 20. Well, at that, at, when it got ready for the top 20, Jim had 1,700-plus points, and the closest dog to him probably had five or 600. But they take that away. That don't count anymore. And then the next night, they hunt the dog. They make them hunt each dog by himself. So did this hunt back in take all week like took it does now? Yeah. Took a week. Okay. They hunted them all by themselves. Right. So probably Monday through Wednesday, mm -hmm. y'all did this deal. Then you get them numbers. And then Thursday night, you go out by yourself. Yeah. And then Friday night, they, you, you, they, start, you start whittling down off them 20. Yeah. And then, yeah. Well, see, the night that we got down to the final four dogs, uh, there was a, a guy there by the name of Dave Juvers. Just passed away. He he had a big dog supply thing up north somewhere. And he came up to me and he said, I want to buy that dog before y'all go out. He said, I want to do it because if he's going to win and he'll be worth a lot more money than I want to give. But he <coughs> said, I'll give you 25 grand for him right now. And he said, I'm talking about cash money. And he had it rolled up in his pants pocket in rolls. And he pulled it out. And uh, This is at Pine Bluff, Arkansas. That's it. Well, just an hour or two before. Saturday going, night. Going out. The final cast. Yeah. You're talking about when most houses only cost. Most houses were fifteen dollars or $20,000. I told Jarvis, I said, Jarvis, we might all sell that dog. And uh, Jarvis said, well, I figured you that you'd heard about it. And he said, I've been trying to find anybody that would buy your half. Because he said, I don't want to sell him. He said, at that time, Jarvis was making his living off of that dog. He was getting enough stud fees and selling enough pups that he was actually making good money off of him. And he didn't want to sell him. And I really didn't, want, didn't care about selling him either, but still, 12500 12, was a pretty good bit of money for me at that time. I just bought another farm and some more things. I could have used the money. So let's, uh, I've, I've, I've typed this into my handy-dandy computer. I'm sitting at the desk. So, uh, 1976, Ray, $25,000. And today, if, if we, we look at it today, is $135,232.43. Now, there's been a few dogs to sell for that here recently, but before the last two years, it, that was unheard of. Absolutely. So 1976, Dave Juvers, who uh, I saw on PKC on the on, uh, uh, in maybe in a magazine or the forum, he passed away this year. Offered you twenty five thousand dollars before the final four runoff, 
and he had that wadded up in, in rolls, and he showed it to you. Yeah. And 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 so and, you and you and Jarvis are talking about this whole thing. And and he also said, if this if this won't buy him, tell me what will buy him, and I can have the rest of the money here by daylight. <laughs> That's what he said. Sure did. Now, time out right here. So do you, did, who hunted him? Was, was Jarvis hunting him in the hunt? Yeah, Jarvis, Jarvis handled, was handling him. Yeah. Do you remember anything that stood out to y'all beforehand? Any dogs y'all that stood out to y'all that y'all drew that, that, that the listeners may have heard of uh, during this particular hunt? Any dogs that Jarvis said, Inky, I drew out was so and Well, the only one I remember, of course, is the one that won it, and that was old Tom Tom. Uh, and. That's Joe House from up here at Clinton, Kentucky. Yeah, but Joe didn't own him. He had already sold him to somebody. Somebody I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, he was he was a big Walker man, kind of like James Merchant was with the Walker people. He was he he was well. I think he had won it won it earlier with another Walker dog. Yeah. You know, Used to, I could tell you his name just like that, but I'm old. In 1976, it, it says here's a fellow by the name of Harold Trusty. That's it, Harold Trusty. It's who owned the dog. Harold Trusty. So Wendell was right on target. He said that Joe had sold him. <clears throat> yeah. And all of all the house dogs today go back to Tom Tom. Yeah. Every one of them. And and the the, the cast went like this. Uh, now, were you a backup handler, Wendell, or did you stay at the club? No, I stayed at the club okay. because in the, uh, the the four dogs that went out, uh, Jim got sent to a place, and they actually turned him loose where the woods had slash water in it, and he had to work hard to get coon to he treated two coons in whatever hours it was I think back then it was three hours he treated two coons and, and got his points for that but Tom Tom went it was in Akron Akron's were good and they carried Tom Tom out there and that's when they you know picking the top 20 oh you're talking about before the finals yeah, yeah. okay gotcha go ahead but anyway Tom Tom, they carried him out in an acorn thicket, and I think he scored 1,200 points just right quick in them acorns. So the final cast, do you remember any of the, any of how that went? No, only thing I remember, Jarvis hung his head and said, that dog really didn't beat Jim. I beat him. He, he, made, a, he made a bad call, Jarvis did. And, I didn't even ask him about it because I knew it hurt his feelings and he was upset about it, and I didn't care one way or the other. Uh, he had done, done, done all I ever expected out of him. So what place was that in that? Do you remember exactly what place he was in in, in that final cast? What placement he got? Was it second? or? I don't remember okay. that either. So, so for the listeners, uh, his full brother... Blackjack was in the top twenty as well. Yeah, he was seventeenth, I think. Yeah, he made. It I think. I think Jim might have ended up being maybe fourth. I don't remember. Okay. 
it wasn't it wasn't even close. But it was, I think it was more Jarvis's handling than it was the dog. And of course, you know, he might have been out there with better dogs. I don't know that, but he, I never had him. I never had a dog that hunted with him that I thought was anywhere, better than he was. Not anywhere close to him, much less better. So y'all bred, y'all had him for a year and a half, yeah, roughly. And in a year and a half's time, you bred him enough to to we can track down uh, in every region of the country yeah. dogs going back to gym yes, today. Sir. Yeah, today there's dogs barking out there right now that I hear go back to him. Yeah. Well, he was just uh, he was just an awesome dog. I, I, I remember one time some guys from Oklahoma, Ohio had come down here to go hunting. And uh, we went to a place, and uh, they had just cut a new drainage ditch between where we parked and the woods we were going hunting in. And it was pretty deep and pretty stiff in and out of there. And uh, I took, I took a, a puppy out of Dan and another dog. They said they wanted to see him work with other dogs. I guess see if he's ill or whatever. Anyway, but we pulled up there and stopped. And before we got got the the truck stopped, Jim went to barking in the box. And I never heard that dog bark in the box going to the woods. And, and uh, when we got out, I said, I, I said, boy, I'm sorry, but I didn't know he'd do that. He'd never done that before. And uh, so we got him, we got him turned loose, and uh, they crossed that ditch and went on down, and just as soon as he got across the ditch, he went to treeing. And those other dogs went on out in the bottom, and they struck on up in there. And I said, my gosh, I've never seen him crawl up on the first tree he come to and I was fuddling around trying to get my light and telling these guys, I said, I've never seen this happen before either. <laughs> and one guy laughed, he got to laughing back there. He said, Well you just quit worrying about it. I'm looking at his coon. And he he treated that coon in the dog box. In the dog box. Yeah. So I thought that really suited, satisfied, because we got him away from that, and he got in that race and beat those other dogs to that tree they were running. He treated ahead of them. <laughs> but when we got, we were coming back home, and we were coming around the foot of the bluff towards Key Corner and going up the bluff. That's when I lived over there in that new house I built. And those guys said, you know, said, uh, we, we, we like to see that dog go by itself. I said, fellas, I tell you what, it was it was a long ways from that road. It had rained, it's muddy and it, it's I said, it's a long ways over there to that woods and that river. So you just looked left handed and thought about that timber over there. Yeah. Where he said that. Yeah. Uh, we we know exactly to the listeners, we know exactly where Wendell's talk. I do know exactly what you're talking about. And I said the only way that I turn that dog loose here is if y'all will t- promise me that y'all will go get him when he trees. Because I'm not walking across that muddy field, and I can't, wa- I can't wait it, you know, and I can't drive my truck through there. They said, we'll, if he trees, we'll go to him. I said, okay, fellas. 
I cut him loose right there on that blacktop road, and it's a quarter of a mile over there to cross that muddy field. At least, yeah. And it wasn't 10 minutes till he was running right down that river bank and running almost back up to the highway pow, treat it. And I said, there he is, boys. Go get him. <laughs> I said, in the truck. Made them go get him. Because <laughs> it, it kind of, you know, it bothered me that, that they had to see some more after what they had seen, what he had already done. And then when they got the dog that they wanted to breed to him out, that thing white-chested. Tail had a... Tail, Old flag-tail dog. Had a shepherd tail. Hair that long on the back. But they said they had his paper. They had their papers. And, you know, I, I didn't know how to say it, and I didn't want to say it, that I just didn't want to breed a dog. That just didn't meet the standards. I didn't want... I just didn't want to breed her, and they'd come from way up in the northern part of Ohio. Well, luck was have it. She wasn't in. She wouldn't stand for a dog. <laughs> and that's, that's how I got out of that deal, without making some people real mad. But, And I guess I would have let her breed, but I sure didn't want to. So right after the hunt, y'all come back home two weeks later. Roughly. Tell me about that. Was he at your house or was he at? You know, he was down, he was at Jarvis's and uh, Jarvis, I think Jarvis had, had wormed Jim and bless his heart, he used something that wasn't even, at that time there was a worm pill that they gave sheep that people had started using, and it was doing a real good job on, on worming dogs. And But if they had heartworms, that pill would really make them, it'd kill them sometimes. And a lot of people killed their dog using those sheep wormers. But anyway, Jim got, he got sick, got feeling real bad, and Jarvis took him to the vet, and they couldn't figure out what was going on for a while. And, and he died, and so they autopsied him, and they came up with blastomitosis, which was something I'd never heard of before. And uh, they say it's uh, it's pretty common in the Mississippi Delta all the way. There's some kind of spore in the ground that these dogs sniff it up their nostril, and it, it goes to certain parts of their body. It might go to the brain on this dog, or it might go to the lungs on this dog, but either either heartworms or that that plasto spore. Jim's lungs, they say, were just uh, leather. Just instead of being pink, they were dark brown. That that he his lungs were just gone, and that's what killed him. Now, have have you ever heard of that anymore, Chad? That disease? Yeah, that that dog we got out of Rip over at Corey's is, is 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 she's getting out of it right now? Yeah, we've got it right now. Is that the same thing that everybody's treating nowadays with doxy and all that stuff? No, they no. call that blasto, you know. Yeah, but I, I but it's a different different think, thing I, altogether. My viewpoint is it is right here. Okay, I, I'm not okay. Sure. Yeah, it's kind of a mystery type unknown of 
disease, but it's pretty common uh, up and down this delta. Did he have heartworms? Yeah. He had heartworms, too, when they opened him up. Anyway, you know, something I've been listening to, and I heard you mention his name two or three times, was uh, Mr. LaFoon, Riley LaFoon. So you hunted with him a lot. Well, back in those days, what was Riley hunting back then? He had a female they called Sugar Cookie. Okay. He had... uh, He... he, I think Riley had the sting, though. He did. He had super sting, but if I'm thinking right, uh, wasn't Sugar Cookie Sting's mama? I think so. I believe that's right. Sugar Cookie was Sting's mama. Carl Meinhardt was involved in it some way. Uh, Either Riley sold sold Sugar Cookie to Carl or Carl had, I don't know, but Carl didn't. He's he's involved in sugar cookie somewhere along the line, but, but she was never titled or anything. Sugar yeah. cookie wasn't. I remember that. But um, but now you asked me about his dog. The main dog that that Riley had that uh, I really didn't like at all, and he was mean. He he wasn't ill. He was mean. And why Riley put up with him, I don't know. But I think it's because he did reproduce some outstanding dogs, but his, his name was LaFoon Frank. His name was Frank. And I don't, that dog don't even, I don't. Frank was the daddy of Sting. Yeah. Uh, now, Sugar Cookie. Sugar uh, Cookie was Sting's mama. Right? No, Sugar Cookie was uh, Ace's Ace's mother. mama. Okay, Sting was bred to Sugar Cookie yeah. to get yeah. Ace. Well, old Frank was in the deal somewhere. Frank was a grand sire of Ace. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. And, I tell you a funny story about that, and why why Riley insisted on hunting him with us, I don't know, but he did. And uh, they had a shocking collar on on him, and uh, they got treed. And I'm pretty sure Ramner was in on that deal. Anyway, there was about four hard tight tree dogs. And we heard it before we got to the tree. The fight was on. Well, when they shocked it, Frank, he went to hollering. Well, you know how dogs will do if a dog's hurt and goes to hollering? All the rest of them will pile on him. So all the other dogs pile on old Frank and like to kill him <laughs> before we could get up there and get him off. Did it break him? No. <laughs> that dog if you cut his head off and laid it over there at the tree if a dog come by there he'd he'd snap at it oh, he was mean well so i'd have you know i'm a historian of black and tans and i think uh frank was at a high roller or high roller was out of frank there was a lafoon's high roller and a lafoon's frank but yeah of course that's where steam come from he come from either frank or high roller i'm thinking it's frank but it could be high roller but it's one of those two that 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 Riley had. So Riley would would go with with y'all to the. Well, did he ever make it up to Sweat's camp at the White River Wheel? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he'd be there too. Yeah, Mr. Jones had uh, the Ramner dog. He came. There was two guys from uh, East Tennessee. Uh, 
Carson Cressman and uh, Larry Grissom. Larry, at one time, he was secretary of the Black and Tan Association. So we need to, we need to kind of circle back now that, now that Jim's dead. So we got a couple, three. It's a, it's a handful of, of those next generations that that you hear of. So Wendell, the the most famous one, of course, is Humphrey's Raging Black Horse. Yeah. But as you say, and as Jarvis told me several times, the best dog was not horse, but it was which one? Skipper. Skipper. Exactly yeah, right. Skipper was. Uh, James Kirkland told me, and James knows dogs. He told me one time. He said, "You know, said Skipper's going to outdo whatever Jim did." So let's pause there. Kirkland, James Kirkland, friend of ours, yeah, lives in Somerville, Tennessee. There's another. You talking about a dog man? Well, when, see, he hunted dogs a lot for Jarvis. He was a dog man. Yeah, he he hunted with Herb Logan a lot too. Him actually. He, uh, Kirkland and Herb kind of went into dog business together. They they had a dog, Gunner, maybe. Gunner. Kirkland and Logan's Gunner. Yeah, they they had mm-hmm. advertised him from stud. Well, he was out of gym, I'm pretty sure. So let me give the listeners a, a little snippet here. Kirkland and Logan's Gunner was bred to a female that made Green's track down Zip. Green's track down Zip was bred to a dog named Nelson's Northern Buck, that gave you Nelson's Northern Buck two, the '95 UKC World Champion. Yeah, that's right. And I'm pretty sure I'm close on that. So there you you see where I'm tying. And Gunner was out of gym, straight out of gym. I think so. Either he was straight out of gym or straight out of horse. I'm thinking he was straight out of gym. He could have been straight out of horse, but he was out of one of those. Well, and I tell you who could tell us that, and some, and and we'll have him on at some point too. Ray is our friend, Jim Freeman. Oh yeah, Jim. Jim is an absolute historian on all this. Yep. So Jim, unbelievable. Give us some color on that. So, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about Hoss and Skipper. Well, I don't know much about Skipper. Uh, I I don't know what I even hunted with Skipper because by that time I had kind of just got broken out, got out of it and was fooling with my kids and roping cows and things like that. I wasn't hunting that much. I always kept a good coon dog for hunting during the season to catch a few coons, but I, I wasn't going into any kind of hunts or anything. But uh, Hoss, he, he, he came from my house. I had him as a he was. I don't think he was born there. I think he was born uh, from... Uh, a Bloodworth Black Bill bitch that uh, my buddies in the mountains. I think they they brought her down here and bred her to uh, Jim, and then they brought me that puppy. Well, Hoss was uh, he was not he was long haired, rough looking dog, and when he was a pup, and and he stayed that way too. But uh, he he. He spent a whole day one day in my in my dry in my yard, barking at a turtle, one of these turtles that you know goes puts his head in in the shell. He spent a whole day fooling that turtle. 
and he just did stupid things <laughs> that I didn't like. So I just gave Hoss to Jarvis. I said, you want this thing, come get him. I don't want him. Because I, I had a bunch of puppies. And he t he started out as an idiot, you know. He just, man, he'd run through the woods about 90 miles an hour and never tree nothing. And if he did tree something, he wouldn't stay five minutes because he had to go find something else. I've heard of dogs like that before. <laughs> yeah, I have too. But <laughs> There's also, one out there barking. <laughs> The only good thing Hoss had going for him in, in, on my part was his mouth. He had a beautiful mouth on him, and he gave it pretty good. But I know Jarvis called me one time. Dan was still living when Hoss was a, was a puppy or a young dog, and uh, Jarvis called me one time. Him and Kirkland was over at Maddox Bay, and they were trying to get Hoss ready. I think they were going to enter him in the world hunt. But anyway, he said... Uh, he said, "We need you. Need to run over here and bring old Dan." I said, "What in the world do you want my old dog over for?" He said, "Hoss is treeing coon one right after another, but he won't stay there long enough for us to get to him, and we ain't got any other dog that'll hold that tree." <laughs> he said, "He pulls them all off," <laughs> and he. They say, "I know that's what he's doing," so I said, "Okay." So I took him over there, and sure enough, they they got after a coon, got it treed, and uh, Hoss took off across the woods, and old Dan was sitting there hammering and hammering and hammering, and, and uh, they got to squalling and shooting up in the air, and old Hoss come back, and when he did, they lashed a chain on him, and from then on, they tied, lead him up there and pet him, and. He he wasn't what you call a natural born tree dog. He had to be he had to be made to stay at the tree. Of course, after he got grown and they shot out a lot of coons and all to him, he got he got like you know he stayed treed like he ought to. But he was an idiot. So when was this? Seventy eight, seventy nine, eighty. Yeah, yeah, it would have been late seventies. Probably getting close to nineteen eighty, maybe. I don't know. So so. Uh, at this point, you're you're still hunting. Old Dan dies of old age at your I, house. Dan was twelve or thirteen years old, and he he got where he 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 well, he just died. He was just a skeleton of a dog walking around. I just turned him loose, and he got where he couldn't hear and couldn't see. And I came in from work late one afternoon, and he was in the driveway, in the car, in a, in the he he could he, he knew there was something around there, but he didn't know which way to go to get out of it. And it was it was fixing to snow and turn cold, and he didn't have much hair on him, and he was just pitiful. And he had a special place out there in the yard where he always laid, and I knew the ground was good and would be I could dig a hole there, but I couldn't by the next day probably. So I just put him in a truck, took him to the vet, and had him put to sleep. That 13. And that would have been, if he was a year older than Jim, mm -hmm. He would. that would have been 1984. Yeah. That sound about right, Wendell? That sounds about right. So, uh, you know, we got to, we're right now, we're at, at Hoss. So we're, I know the listeners, we've been trying to, 
find places to start another one. So what we're going to do now is is take a break, and then uh, either we're going to go hunting and finish this up tomorrow, or we're going to knock it out. We're going to do one more segment, and what that's going to get us, it's going to get us through PCA, through PKC, and how all that came about, because a lot of people would like to know how how all this came to fruition and Wendell had a he was a passenger seat in the whole thing so well you know it's just amazing when you look back there's really a about a half a dozen or so guys that really played instrumental parts in getting it going to where it ended up yep it really is and and some of these guys a lot of the young hunters today don't even know who they are no idea who they are yeah, there's there's a lot of people that put a lot of work into it. Uh, for example, uh, Nubbin Moore, y'all have heard. Oh yeah, Nubbin no Moore. Nubbin well. Well, mm-hmm. Nubbin, he he came down to Doctor Porter's a few times, but he had this young pup, almost a pup, and he he would all of us would get together, you know, and we'd go hunting. Nubbin wouldn't go with us; he'd go by himself and walk that puppy. He was out of that Hank dog. Sanders Hank. Sanders is Hank. Yeah, Fred Sanders dog. He, he, wa- he worked with that puppy night after night after night because he knew he had to, he had what it take. But most people wouldn't put in the work that he put in to make that dog. He, he had a lot of patience, didn't he? He did. But now he'd be down there at Dr. Porter's and we'd be all over there having a big time laughing and talking and talking about old Frank and old Dan and all that. Nubbing, calling off by himself night after night. Made a dog out of it. And what what dog dog Wendell's talking about is Moore's Alabama Black Haint, which was a two-time Auto Mokes winner. Yeah, he he was a nice dog. Yep. And he was out of Sanders's. Hank, and that's the top side of all the stuff we hunt goes back to Sanders Hank through Lawton Robinson. Okay, that's where Sanders Hank was bred to a doll named Robin's Black Dottie. That's where Robinson's Black Bandit come from. Okay, Sanders Hank was out of Lawson's Big Horse, which was one of those pillars of the breed from Johnny Lawson in Illinois, and. Um, some point we hope to get Johnny on Johnny Gillum and get Bruce to get Johnny on. Let's get the story behind uh, Lawson's Big Hoss because Johnny got to hunt Lawson's Big Hoss a lot. So, so we got Gentleman Jim Lawson's Big. We got these dogs. Just I mean, this, we're stirring a, a pot. You know, a big old kettle. Well, and you know, we're so lucky that I mean, we've lost a few of these guys, but most of these guys are still around. And it's really good, I think, to get this get this recorded. So we're going to take a break, guys. Uh, we're going to decide whether we're going to cut some, cut some dogs loose. We're doing this on a on the Thursday night before our little sectional. We call it the Joe Smith Memorial, where we'll have five or six states represented down here in the bottoms, and we'll it's a black and tan sectional. So some of you some of you guys listening to this will actually be there. So. We're going to stop, decide what, what the next step is, and we're going to probably do the third episode, and that's going to get past uh, Raging Black Horse into PKC and, and, and some of 
some of Wendell's other stories that he wants to cover. Okay. So 